You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Pull up a stool at the nine-foot homemade oak bar and pour yourself a cold one. Socks in the basement, 30 minutes, four fans, five fans, all white socks. Ed, at the other end of my nine-foot homemade oak bar, welcome. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about because spring training is here. There are some interesting things coming out of camp. I, I have to take issue with something that Scott Merkin wrote this week. It is his breakdown of who he thinks is going to be on the initial 26-man roster, and I was shocked by the amount of people who cover and are around the White Sox who believe this is what the roster is going to be. So I want to break it down because I don't agree. I just, I I look at that and I go, I don't agree. Now, Scott did say this is the first draft, but what scares me is he's got his finger on the pulse of the team. Like, he's got that inside connection and he's normally really close. So we're going to talk about that. It's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They are family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. There was recently a big article on them in your local patch. Go take a look at it, and we put it up on our website. They're doing great over there. They're helping people out with their foundation issues. There's some pumps, any kind of leakage, seepage, you know, the sidewalk's out of whack. Trust me, right now you're looking at an issue possibly in your basement. The the weather got warm, just like I said it was going to get warm. Now is the time to reach out to them. The phone number right there on the logo. Go direct to FAMWS.com. Tell them we sent you. They take money off. Buddy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm staying dry and getting warm. And it's baseball in the air, so that it must be spring coming, right? It's 48 degrees outside. There's snow melting everywhere as we sit down and record this. I watched three children within uh, the course of eight blocks driving one of my kids, the youngest one, home from school to my house. Three of them almost get wiped out by people not used to seeing children walking along who don't stop at stop signs. Yeah, well, there's that. So it was a perilous day here in my neighborhood here on the south side of Chicago. And uh, spring is is nearly upon us. So people all have to adjust to the fact now that, like, there might be people walking down the street again and you don't live in the Arctic and you there might be pedestrians. So this is a it was like that day where, like, it's been a couple of months now, and now all of a sudden people were crossing the intersection. It was frightening for me to watch today. Yeah, well, it's a little like this time of year is, is if you're a Marvel fan, it's like the snap being undone five years later. People are just <laughs> emerging back out of the ether. That's exactly what it is. And, and they're right where they were when they left, and, and nobody knows what's going on. So, yeah, but the good news is, is that we can just, uh, you know, we can uh, focus on baseball and, and thinking about – the guys being in camp and all these camp battles and who's going to be on this roster and and why Scott Merkin thinks that this is going to be the roster. We can. Oh, we're definitely going to talk about know. that. We're definitely going to talk about that. Before that, uh, here is the confirmed Yuan Mankata walk-up music. And what what makes this music you're hearing so unique is that the guy who's singing it is the guy that will be coming up to bat. This is Juan Mangata, your third baseman. There's a music video. Like I, I know, I know you're listening and watching this along with me. 
and it's it's basically what you would expect from a music video from a guy with the, the machismo of a Yohan Mankata. There's girls in bikinis, very scantily clad, uh, making eyes at him. He's working the cell phone while checking out the girls. Now one of them likes yep. him a lot. She's dancing up real close, arms all around. Oh, yeah. He's putting on the hip shaking moves. The guy's the total package. During the walk-up, I want the girl in the yellow bikini to walk up with him, but that's the pig inside of me. Overall, though, right. get, well, get used to this song. Maybe they can use the, the girl in the yellow bikini as, a, as a, you know, to hand off the bats and the balls. Listen. Do, you know, do, do the old bat, bat kid thing. If there is a limited amount of people allowed inside the stadium, she can have one of the spots. That's all I'm saying. If the, if the government comes out and says you can only have X amount of people in the ballpark, give her a spot just for his walk-up. That's all I'm asking. All right? It would make... It would make all of our lives better, I think. If it helps him hit better, I- I'm all for it. <laughs> it, would, it would help me hit better. Anyway, though, but he's singing this, and this is his walk-up song. So he, it's he, fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Fantastic. It's, it's absolutely yes. amazing. Uh, Yo-Yo sings now, and he's also talking about the fact that he feels better. He once again confirmed that after COVID, he was just spent. He last year had no stamina. The legs weren't there. He, he didn't feel like himself. He says, uh, now coming out of spring training, he's 100% now. And you can see it in the dance moves right here. You can see it right there. He's 100%. That man's got stamina. Trust me. Well, I, but I'm saying you can see it in his highlights from last year. He, he was a maximum effort swing guy last year as opposed to what we had seen in 2019 where he's just, you know, the bat is, you know, almost like it's not there for him. He's just using his hands and everything. Look at him trying to hit home runs. You remember when Griffey was on the White Sox and like he would have to like pretty much corkscrew himself on the ground to get anything on the ball. That's how he ended his White Sox career with a famous corkscrew swing. I remember standing there watching it in in the playoffs that year. Yeah, and and, and Moncada wasn't far off of that. You could see he was laboring to get that bat going through the zone. So if he can dance like that, man. He should be able to hit the ball out of the park with regularity. Listen, listen. Not only is he dancing like that, he's working the cell phone, and he's taking care of, what is that, 15, 20 girls right there? And they all seem very happy in the video. They all seem very, very happy. Yes. He's a multitasker, and he's got 100% of his stamina back. That seems very, very obvious. The most complete player on the team, video evidence thereof. (laughs) And my new hero, like right now. Like, I mean, Tim Anderson, you got swag. You don't have yo-yo swag. Yo-Yo's got a completely no. different le- level of swag than you have, T.A. Yeah, well, I, I heard that uh, Carlos Rodon was going to do a music video, but then his wife complained on Twitter that he's much more of a drummer than a singer. <laughs> Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. All right, let's look at Merck's list. Let's let's look at what he's got here in terms of who's going to be 
breaking camp with the Chicago White Sox. Scott Merkin, he's been on the show multiple times before. Scott puts out his list of the 26 guys that he expects the White Sox to break camp with coming out of spring training. He's taking three catchers right off the bat. And at that very moment, I was like, what? Yeah. He's saying that Collins is basically a backup DH. Right, because LaCroix is the backup catcher. Because if you bring on, like, this is why I don't agree with it right off the bat. I mean, we don't even, we're going to get to the other positions. But he's got Grandal, LaCroix, and Collins is listed third as the third catcher in his in his first mock-up of who's going to break camp for Tony La Russa and the White Sox. And the belief is that he will not only be able to work out behind the plate every once in a while, but fill in it as a DH. Let me tell you something right now. Yasmani Grandal is going to catch all of the games, and the few that he doesn't catch, Jonathan Lucroy is going to catch. This is not going to be a split in any way. No. Like what you even saw with McCann last year, because McCann's manager still had a great respect for James McCann, and the team had two very high-level catchers. But when you put Grandal with LeCroy and Collins, guess what? Yasmani's catching all the games. And only when he's tired is he not. He's not catching, you know, four out of every seven in a week. That's not how this is going to work. This isn't a split. He's the starting catcher. He may take off one, possibly two times a week. Tops. And then if he's taken off two, it's because they played seven in a row. That's the way I see it. Otherwise, he's playing five out of six with a day off in, in, in a week. Where is Collins going to get any time if LeCroy is the backup catcher? Yeah, if Grandal is catching 120 games, right, which is which is probably low when you when you look at starting catchers who catch usually routinely around 130 to 140. If Grandal's catching only 120 because they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs, that leaves Lucroy 42 games. That's not a lot spread out over the course of the season. And so yeah, Collins maybe maybe he sneaks in 10 in that scenario. I don't I, I disagree with this. In, in one big way, and that is if you scroll down on Merkin's story and he says that Andrew Vaughn is the opening day DH, then Zach Collins does not break camp with the team because Collins is better served going down to Charlotte, working on being behind the plate, and if he's not working on being behind the plate, working on his footwork at first, working on being an outfielder, working on some other way to come up and be on this team because he is blocked at catcher right now with Grandal, and frankly, Collins is getting up there. He's not going to be, he's not a prospect forever. No. And he's not going to necessarily inherit the position when Grandal leaves. No, he's not necessarily taking that position. I think that's very obvious. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said, we're going to bring in Lucroy. I, 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 I don't think you go and bring in Lucroy. I think Lucroy was brought in to be the backup catcher. I might be proven wrong here, but look at this. Since 2014, when he finally became a starter for the San Diego Padres, Grandal, 128 games. In 2015 for the Dodgers, 115. Then he goes 126, 129, 140 in his last season with the Dodgers. And then the year with Milwaukee with the Brewers, 153. He did 46 out of 60 games for the White Sox in the shortened season. And if it wasn't so compact and you didn't have James McCann there, trust me, that ratio would have been a little bit more like, I don't know, 52, 53 of those 60. He's the catcher. This isn't a split timeshare. So why do you need no. three catchers, especially as you pointed out? And it's the other issue I have is the Andrew Vaughn thing. And I'm going to take what, what Scott wrote. And I love Scott. I, this is not an indictment on Scott, but this is, there are people, I was more put off by the fact there were so many people who were like, oh yeah, this is it. This is exactly what the roster, really? No, it isn't. This is not what the roster is going to be. Because if Andrew Vaughn breaks camp as the DH, 
when does Zach Collins get to play? You would rather have a third catcher on this team than have a, a versatile infielder? Like, like you would rather have, because guess what? Beckham and Mendick are not in this projection. Are not on, yeah, they're not on the projection Right, here. so the idea is the only versatile guys that you have that can move around in this in this scenario is Leary Garcia's, your infield versatility, and Adam Engel is your backup outfielder. But wouldn't it make more sense to have more versatility with either Beckham or or Mendick along with Leary and then Engel? Because then, in reality, Leary can go infield-outfield for you. You actually have two backup infielders and, and five outfielders if Leary can go in both directions. He's more versatile. There's no reason to have Collins on this team. So there's no way that Andrew Vaughn breaks camp with this team and Zach Collins is also there. I don't see it at all. Now, on the other hand, Tony LaRussa, Tuesday, quoted from Camelback Ranch when asked, is Andrew Vaughn the leader to BDH? And this is what has been suggested by everybody in the organization. Says, yeah, he's in first place, but everybody's in first place. Basically saying, yeah, yeah, he's in first place, but also covering his bet there, covering his words by saying, but so is everybody else. Meaning there really isn't a leader in his mind. But not only is he saying that, he's also setting you up for if Andrew Vaughn doesn't sign an extension, there's absolutely no way he breaks camp with this team. They're going to wait two weeks where they get the extra year control and then he's going to be up. A la Chris Bryant. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Book it, Dano. So when they break camp, if Collins is on the team because he they decide that like, he's better than Mercedes or any other option to play DH for two weeks, that makes sense. But if that's not the case, if Andrew Vaughn's up, there's no way Zach Collins makes this team. No, I, I you know, I, I, I was on the blog and I was kind of going over the spring training battles. And with the catcher position, it basically comes down to LaCroix is the leader in the clubhouse to be the backup catcher because he's the veteran. He's there to be a receiver. They're not going to really care too much about his bat. If something happens to him or if he is just bad and doesn't get it, I think Sebi Zavala or Yerman Mercedes has a better chance of sticking as the backup catcher because Collins and to a certain extent, Mercedes are really more fighting for that DH position at this point with both being able to serve as a backup catcher. If Vaughn doesn't sign the extension, if Vaughn is then sent down for a couple of weeks, this is Collins only chance to show that he can play every day in the majors. And what he would be doing in that situation is being the guy who is starting the season as the DH serving as the backup catcher and then trying to be worked into the mix, maybe, you know, here and there against certain right-handers that they don't want to put a rookie like Vaughn up against. That's that's really, you know, that's really where they are. Well, here's the thing. My feeling has always been, and I've said it out loud to, to Merck when he's on, and, and I've, I've sent him a text here while we're talking. Like, come on the show. I want to, I want to talk to you about this. Okay, so we'll see. We might have it by this weekend. I, yeah. I, lo- I love Merck. But the thing is, is that I've always said – you know, you're there, man. You're the MLB.com guy. If you don't believe Scott Merkin doesn't have somebody within the organization telling him, like, hey, this is what we think, you're nuts. If the organization told him, watch out for all these guys, this is what's probably going to happen, or these are probably the leaders, or this is what we're looking at, the organization's also trying to tell him, like, hey, uh, yeah, Collins and, and Vaughn are going to make it, because one of them's going to make it. See what I'm saying? One of them is going to make it, depending on if Andrew Vaughn signs the extension. The other one's not making it. So either Vaughn is is up in a couple of weeks and then Collins goes down and then you see Mendick come back up onto the team or Tim Beckham, you know, if they, if, if they end up uh, putting him into the minor leagues. You know, I mean, it, whatever happens here, it's one or the other. 
And that, that's what I read from this. Now, Abreu's at first base. Madrigal's uh, the second baseman. Shortstop, T.A. No surprises there. Yo-Yo dancing over a third. Nope. Okay, Aloy Jimenez crashing in the walls and left. Luis Robert covering the entire field and center. Adam Eaton with Adam Engel covering right field is how he lists them. And that makes sense because most likely Eaton would be probably the first person that would get injured and Engel would take over. All right, I think that's why he listed them both as right fielders. But we all know that Angle can play any position out there. He can play center. He can play left. He can play right. And he can play it competently. And he would be a defensive upgrade in left and right. And he wouldn't be as good as Robert, but he'd be pretty damn close. He's also a potential platoon for Eaton against certain lefties, too. I think I, so. I think, I think Engel's going to get at bats. It's not going to be a strict platoon. I think Eaton's going to be in there against lefties. But there's there's some of them that, yeah, LaRusse is no dummy he's not going to put a left-handed bat in there when he's got a good right-handed bat especially one like Engel who last year was crushing left-handed pitchers now here's the thing Larry Garcia as I mentioned he's the utility and then we get to the starting pitchers and here's where the starting pitchers and the relief pitchers this is where I'm also taken aback and this is what I'm trying to read this is not me disagreeing with Scott Merkin no this is me doing what I do every year when we're talking about who's going to make the team and I go Merck's in the no. So if Merck's sitting there telling me Giolito, Keiko, Lynn, of course, up at the top in whatever, I, everybody keeps putting Lynn third. I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the White Sox have said Dallas Keuchel's are too. Lynn is better, but whatever. Okay. But I got Giolito, well, Lynn, Keuchel up at the top. I right, left, right there. It, it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. The guy after him is also I know, a righty. it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like there's going to be two lefties next to each other unless you put Carlos Rodan in the four spot and you, and you put uh, Keuchel down in the three. And that's not happening. So to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, you you say Carlos Rodon in the four spot, and I wouldn't be shocked if that came to pass. Yeah, well, guess what? Merck's got him in the rotation with Cease. So he's got Giolito, Keiko, Lynn, Cease, Rodon. And what he's doing is putting Kopech, Crochet, and Lopez all in the bullpen. And this was the striking thing to me because he sees Kopech starting in the bullpen, even though we've theorized, and also based upon what we've heard coming out of the team, that Kopech, they're hoping, will be the starter out of the gate, but they'll, they'll kind of keep like a leash on him. So what's interesting here is that those might be the guys that are listed, but I don't know how often Rodon is starting compared to Kopech. Like, that might be some kind of weird rotation in the five spot where you're like, guess what, you're starting this week. Guess what, you're starting this week for a while because they're trying to limit his innings, but he's a starter. Crochet is definitely starting in the bullpen. They've been very clear about that, but they've talked about Kopech as a starter yeah. this entire time. So that was the other thing that kind of stood out to me. You know, Matt Foster also going with Cody Hoyer and Evan Marshall, Aaron Bummer, and Liam Hendricks in that group, which would which would bounce out, uh, you know, uh, Cordero. He wouldn't make it. Well, and Cordero's not going to start the season anyway, I think, because he's still under suspension. Right, exactly. And then you also have Fry. Fry's injured. Uh, that Fry's injured, that all makes an awful lot of sense. And these are the projections. And we've talked, we've said that you could have a non-roster invitee that could get in there. But the things that struck me as odd, Kopech in the bullpen with Rodon in the starting rotation, I think that could be very easily flipped. I, I, I still stand by it. I think that very easily could be flipped. And I also don't see how Zach Collins, and you seem to agree with me, how is he on the team at the same time as Andrew Vaughn breaking camp? Because if Vaughn's on the team, then it's Mendick or Beckham joining as that 26 man. And if Vaughn is not on the team, then I guess I could understand Collins getting there. But guess who else is also on the team? Mendick or Beckham. See, because Vaughn won't be there. Oh, yeah. And when Vaughn comes up, it's going to be it's going to be that third catcher that goes down. 
I see Collins basically fighting with Yerman Mercedes to be the DH and third catcher in case Andrew Vaughn doesn't break camp with the team or has a terrible spring. That, that's the only way I see those guys making this team right now. And I don't think they're up here forever because it, it, barring an injury. And that's the only way you're going to have those guys on there. Or if Luke Roy comes in and just, just doesn't have it anymore and he's just done. Uh, Cause I don't know that the Sox would carry, you know, a veteran catcher who is, if he's struggling behind the plate in particular, if he can't move, uh, let alone if he can't hit, then Luke Roy is worthless. But I, I don't, see that being an issue and I don't think that's going to happen unless the guy gets hurt but that is my take on the whole thing has been that Collins and Mercedes are not really fighting for a catcher role on the big club they're fighting for the DH role if they take it and they run with it and they're hitting really well I think you're going to have some questions about whether or not the Sox even bring up Vaughn especially if he's down in AAA and struggling but the plan as we start spring training is clearly Andrew Vaughn is the DH these guys might fill in for a couple of weeks if we don't get this guy breaking camp with us. I just don't understand how you take a third catcher when you don't need one in this scenario. And then in the bullpen, you know, Kopech versus Rodon opening, you know, I think both of them are guys that are going to have a short leash regardless. I think with Rodon, it's going to be questions about him going through a lineup more than once. I think with Kopech, it's going to be a question of limiting his innings early on until he builds up and you feel like you can trust him. They want him there at the end of the year rather than at the beginning. So Rodon could be an opener? Like, what if Rodon's an opener? Like, that would be interesting, too. That'd be an interesting way to use him. On days when Kopech is pitching to limit the innings, you let Rodon open, and no matter what, he does not pitch to anybody a second time. And if it happens in the middle of an inning, then there's a there's a relief pitcher that comes in, so you don't make Michael Kopech have to start the inning with guys on base, right? Like, you you let him get his own inning. Like, that's the only problem I have with openers. To me, I, I hate the idea that the opener makes the guy who's used to starting and having a clean inning might have to come in with the mess that the opener made for him. And I think it puts, it puts you at a disadvantage. Right. But if you're going to do it like how they used to do in all-star games, let's say, where, let's say, somebody's getting rocked in the first inning, they were supposed to do, like, two innings, and the, the all-star manager comes out, and this happened before, like by the second inning, midway through the second inning, he's like, I'm pulling this guy, he's laboring, and I don't want to have to explain to his manager why he, he, he can't pitch for a week. And, and instead, they bring in a relief pitcher that they have on the all-star team to finish the inning off, and then the next starting pitcher comes in. That's how I would like to see them use an opener. If they did it like that, I'd be fine with it, because you got, you're going to have a lefty setting up for Kopech. And, and then all of a sudden, Kopech gets to come in, and it, it saved him an inning or two. He pitches the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. He goes four innings, and now you're turning it over to this amazing bullpen, and he's the guy that did the bulk of the work, but he didn't have to, to get worn out. That might, you might see them use him that way. That's possible. And I, I think that could be how they try and do this, because I don't think Rodon is set up to be the guy that comes in in the middle of an inning either, right? He isn't and set up I to question... do anything. He isn't set up to do anything. Look. I, I was a, a Carlos Rodon stan. I don't even know what stan means, but I see kids use it on Twitter, okay? So it, supposedly it means that you're a fan of the person. I'd have to look it up to know exactly what it means. But I believe I'm using this correctly. I was a fan okay, of Carlos man, Rodon. Okay, stop yelling at the cloud. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I, I was a fan. I believed that he was going to put it together at some point. I believe that the flashes that we saw in between injuries where he would go out there and put nobody on base and mow people down was what we were going to eventually see if he could just stay healthy. 
That opinion has changed drastically. I don't believe that anymore. So he's an you opener. You are preaching to the choir here. Yeah, he is an opener or a guy who can come in for an inning as a change of pace lefty out of the bullpen and you tell him, this is your inning, go out there and start the inning, but we're not going to put you in a situation where you're coming in with men on base. That's all he is in my mind. That's all I see him as. And I'm not even, even if he has a hot spring training, you're not going to convince me until the guy puts together a month or two. And then I might sit there and say, okay, fine, I was wrong. Because I've seen little flashes from him. I just don't think he can sustain being a quality starting pitcher. No, I, I, I don't know why he's here, I, I, frankly. But if you're gonna if you're gonna use him, you have one of two ways to do it, and that is he's either an opener where you limit his work and you limit his exposure, or he is the guy that's coming in, and like you said, he's got to start a clean inning because he's not coming in the middle of an inning. But I look at Merck and having Ronaldo Lopez here too, who is a guy that has been a starter. I don't know that he's qualified to come in in the middle of an inning either. And he seems like a little bit of a either duplication of what Kopech would be serving as, or you're saying that he's the long reliever, in which case he's going to have to show in the spring that he's capable of coming in mid-inning because you're not going to be able to give two guys out of the bullpen only clean innings. It's, it's, just, it's, it's impossible to carry. You're dead on about that. And that's why that was the other thing, but I wasn't going to kind of jump all over on that thing. I think he starts in AAA and he's stretched out to be a, a starter when they need to call up a guy because he's got an option. So th- that option is going to allow him to move back and forth all year long, and he better get used to uh, flying back and forth from Charlotte to Chicago because uh, th- I think that's how he's used all year long. Are you a CFO, HR professional, or owner of a company, big or small, and you're tired of the typical health insurance premium increases each and every year? out-of-control premiums with no end in sight. Well, now there is the Elite Benefits Formula. This process has saved employers and their employees thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars each year. These strategies are avoided by most insurance professionals, and the insurance companies definitely do not want you to know about them. But Elite Benefits of America is ready to help you. Just about all employers in the Chicagoland area can now take advantage of some or all of these strategies and start saving money. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. Socks in the Basement Fest is on the way. Tickets go on sale March the 6th at noon. That is a Saturday and two weeks later on March 20th. Socks in the Basement Fest at Blue Island Beer Company in Blue Island. Now, people have asked me a ton of questions about this, so let me clear a few things up. First of all, Blue Island Beer Company has a gorgeous, big, spacious indoor area where they can open up like garage doors near where the stage is that we're going to be at while we're doing Socks in the Basement Fest. Fresh air. And it's going to be in the back end of March, and I believe that we're going to get good weather. At least good enough weather if the doors are open, you're not going to be freezing. You're going to enjoy that. It's going to be fun. They also have a ginormous parking lot as well. We are prepared for whatever is going on at the time that Socks in the Basement Fest occurs. So it's going to be safe because Alan over there, the owner, wants to be safe. But on the other hand, it's going to be fun because we've got a lot of room to work with and we've got a lot of things that we're planning on doing. There's going to be limited tickets released for this event. Probably 40 to begin with. 
because we have to pay attention to whatever is going on legally, how many people we can actually have there, and I have to account for the people that are coming to serve as panelists and everything else. Right. There'll be an initial offering right now, and this might change. I might get a bigger number as we get closer to March 6th. Right now, we're looking at an initial offering of 40 passes. And then there might be a second offering that gets offered if we get closer to the 20th, and they're like, hey, hey, guess what? You can bring in more. We're going we're gonna to follow the rules because we want to make sure that they get to keep their liquor license. We want them to be able to still brew beer. They make great beer. So the idea is we're going to be following all the regulations, but we know we can do something. Right now, I would tell you March 6th, limited ticket offering, $15. You walk in the door, you get the Saks in the Basement trucker hat, the Saks in the Basement koozies, and you also get a beer right there waiting for you like you're a VIP. The 15 bucks reserves your spot. You're getting more than $15 worth of stuff right there when you walk in the door. Then add in the fact that we're going to have a raffle. We have an awful lot of our sponsors that are offering different prizes and giveaways. We are going to have a, a, like prize winners while we're out at this event. We have vendor tables that we're waiting to get confirmed for you. So it's going to be similar to like if you would have gone to Saxfest, but on a smaller scale inside of this brewery because they weren't able to have Saxfest. And I was like, what the heck, Sax and Basement Fest. Okay, so we're going to be doing this. We're going to have a great time doing it. So far, I can confirm a few people. I've got a lot of people saying, I'm in. Let me check with the wife, which is amazing. It's amazing how many sports writers are like, <laughs> I got to check with my wife. Like, they all do that. Like, it's incredible to me. Like, you would think, like, this guy's a big name. He probably just goes and does his thing. He's like, yeah, I got to check with the wife. I got to make sure there isn't, like, a kid's thing that day. You know, but otherwise, I'm totally in. So right now, I can confirm we have members of the 108 that will be joining us there. I can yep. confirm that we'll be broadcasting the 305 start for White Sox versus Indians spring training game. And that's a White Sox.com game, but we are going to be able to stream it on all the TVs in there, which is going to be kind of fun to watch a game. And I That'll can confirm good. that Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th, along with possibly other members from that White Sox site, will be joining us as well. The other names I don't want to give out yet, but there's a list. And I'm going to be giving them out. This is kind of like Lollapalooza, Ed. Give them out a little bit at a time. You'll hear more names on Saturday. You'll hear more names next Wednesday. And then you'll know the lineup by the time you buy tickets on March 6th for $15, okay? We're going to have a blast. We're going to drink some great beer. We're going to talk some White Sox. We're going to watch some White Sox. We're going to kick off the spring here in Chicago. And the end of spring training with baseball will be right around the corner. Okay, opening day will be 10 days away, I believe, at that point. We're going to know an awful yep. lot about this team. Right there. We're going to be recording live while we're out there. You get to be a part of the podcast. This is going to be a blast. But what I want you to do is circle March the 6th because the tickets, I think, are going to run out very quickly. I, I think I'm going to have these limited tickets, and I believe they're going to run out, and I'm going to be begging to get more spots for everybody. All right? So I believe we're going to get more than 40. But right now I know... 40 tickets are going to be available starting on March 6th at noon at SocksInTheBasement.com. The link will be right there. So I want you to be prepared for that, and then I want you to make sure you have the 20th marked off and you're ready to go. And keep listening to Socks in the Basement, following us on Twitter, Facebook. We'll keep getting out the people that are going to be on the show. I want to talk about, I want to give people an open forum to ask questions, and let's discuss it. Let's talk about our favorite team, the Chicago White Sox, while we do Sox in the Basement Fest. It should be a blast. Are you looking forward to it? I. It's going to be fun. We're going to do it safely. It's going to be baseball. I mean, what better thing could you do to to kick off the season than to get together with 40 of your closest friends or strangers and 
sit around and talk about the team while we're watching one of the right. late late spring training games, which are usually interesting because you're starting to really see like those final battles come to play. I just have one question for you though yes. about the tickets. Yes. Why is mine fifty five dollars? <laughs> operating cost, Ed. Operating cost. That's all it is. Just operating cost. Uh, I don't want to pass the cost on to the listeners, so I'm passing it on to you. Okay, because just the like tax rate is seventy eight percent. Jeez, taxes are high in Blue Island. I, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. Look here, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to take a look at the venue because you're going to think it's really cool. I wanted you to check out the Blue Island Beer Company website, blueislandbeerco.com. All right, they even have their own theme song. You can check out the place and see where we're going to be going. They've got the tap room, but they also have the big event room in the back. That's where we're going to be set up. It is just the coolest place to hang out at and drink some really, really great beer. I've been to an awful lot of breweries. This is one of those places you walk into and the first five, six, seven beers at the top of their list are all good. You can drink their beer in the ballpark. They've been inside the ballpark now for the last couple of years in the Craft Cave. And multiple Blue Island Beer Company styles are in there. So this is a big up-and-coming brewery that are big fans of Sox in the basement in the Chicago White Sox, 13357 Old Western Avenue in Blue Island, March 20th. Make sure you're ready to buy the tickets on March 6th, 15 bucks, and you're getting more than that back the moment you walk inside the door. Brought to you by Sox in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. Sox in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.